space, the final frontier. Kind of a special movie day here on The Takeaway. You might say they're back, not the them of the original Star Trek TV series from the 1960s, not the them from Star Trek The Next Generation either. It's the next generation after that, who are actually younger versions of the first Spock and Kirk and Uhura. They are back. An alternate reality. Precisely. Whatever our lives might have been if the time continuum was disrupted, our destinies have changed. Mr. Sulu, plot a course to the Laurentian system, warp factor three. Spock, don't do that. Running back to the rest of the fleet for a, a, a confab is a massive waste the orders of time. The new old crew's latest is released today. It's called Into Darkness, directed by J.J. Abrams, like the first clip you just heard, starring Chris Pine as Captain Kirk, Zachary Kinto as Spock, Simon Pegg as Scotty, Zoe Saldana as Uhuru, Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy, and John Cho as Sulu. If that thing erupts, I can't guarantee we can withstand the heat. I don't know that we can maintain that kind of altitude. Our shuttle was concealed by the ash cloud, but the Enterprise is too large. If utilized in a rescue effort, it would be revealed to the indigenous species. Mark, nobody knows the rules better than you, but there has got to be an exception. None. Such action violates the prime directive. Shut up, Spock. We're trying to save you, damn it. Shut up, Spock. One of the themes of this uh, new relaunched franchise as our usual movie day team joins us now. Rafer Guzman, Kristen Meinzer. Rafer, of course, film, film critic for Newsday, Kristen culture producer for The Takeaway, both of them on the movie date podcast. Rafer and Kristen, welcome. Hi, John. So this is uh, a long-standing franchise, Star Trek, but it's also the relaunch of this new cast of characters that I referred to there, the second version, Into Darkness, um, what's the ambition here, Rafer? And then we'll talk about whether they succeeded or not. I, I think the point here, although it's sort of an origin story because you are talking about these younger characters, I think the real point is a reboot to freshen up that series. It was pretty creaky looking. Uh, at, you know, the 60s, even the 80s film series are starting to date pretty badly in some ways. So I think they wanted to get a young, fresh cast and sort of give this franchise a, 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 a boost of energy. And uh, what do you think, Kristen? I think they do an outstanding job with the characters. I could just watch Spock all day. I think he's totally enjoyable. I think that McCoy actually is a total scene stealer in this movie. One of my favorite lines is, damn it, I'm a doctor, not a torpedo specialist. He says a lot of lines like that. So I really love the characters, but I thought the plot was overly complicated. And at times I just felt like I was trapped in a maze and I didn't really know which direction I was supposed to go, which direction the movie was trying to go. And in the end, that made it really burdensome for me to get through this. All right, so great series, but it's one of the bad episodes. Is that kind of the deal, Rafer? Well, I, you know, I, I think it really depends on how you go into this. If you are an old Trekkie fan, this particular new Star Trek really depends very heavily on the old series, the old film series. You'll hear, as, as Kristen was saying, you know, damn it, Jim, that's a classic Bones line. They're right. classic Scotty lines. There are a lot of catchphrases and in-jokes you'll recognize some fans might think that's funny and, and nostalgic and enjoyable. I found it a little irritating, and I would have wanted a little more fresh, more fresh ideas and more creativity that didn't rely so much on the original story. Well, there's a real tension in this movie, and, and it, it's, it's one of the curious things about it in, in the sense that Star Trek began as a very fringy sort of TV exercise trying to be mainstream and lived on in this Trekkie subculture for the longest time. And then with the launch of the first movie with this new cast – 
really hit the mainstream in a big way, kind of like Marvel Comics going from comic book aficionados to mainstream with Iron Man and Avengers. Star Wars has kind of done the reverse, started as mainstream, and now Star Wars people, like, buy Legos. That's all. What do you think is responsible for Star Trek transcending the Trekkies themselves on some level? Well, I think a lot of groundwork was laid by uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, which was a hugely popular series. Um, I'm not sure why, but science fiction in general has just really become sort of – it's almost the default genre for summer now. It's almost the default genre for film entertainment. Um, If you look at this summer's offerings, it's all superheroes, sci-fi, Elysium, uh, Oblivion, uh, After Earth. Um, That's just become kind of our definition now of what a blockbuster looks like. It used to be diehard action spectacle. Now it's science fiction and post-apocalypse stuff. And and the Star Trek movies, I think, have really hit that sweet spot. Well, joining Kristen and Rafer here is David Goodman, who's the author of Star Trek Federation, the first 150 years. He's also a TV writer who's written for Star Trek Enterprise, Futurama, and the Golden Girls. David, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, John. What do you you think of the relaunch of this franchise, and what, what makes it such a mainstream thing and not so much a a trekky thing anymore well you know it's interesting i actually i actually disagree with sort of the premise that that star trek was sort of a subculture uh thing um star trek the original series i mean when you talk about star trek's popularity it's always centering around those most rabid fans the cliche is the social outcast who dresses up in the homemade captain kirk costume going to the conventions i i'm actually describing myself at 16 um but the uh the fact is, it was a TV show when it was in reruns in the 70s. Millions of people were watching it. Uh, the fact is, it was enormously popular, made lots of money for the studio, and that's why it survived. And you had very mainstream people watching the show. They were ca- there were plenty of casual watchers, including you know, our current president and the guy who ran against him last year. And so I think that Star Trek's always had like a lot of people who watch it. Uh, There are, of course, the crazy fans. But um, I think that it was getting creaky. It was sort of locked in its its format. And uh, I think that what, um, you know, J.J. Abrams has done is he has, you know, taken on the idea of the the summer blockbuster and, and sort of folded Star Trek into that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Star Trek endures and the fact that it, it can survive a format change. And, you know, the original series was written by writers in the 1960s writing for westerns and cop shows, and they also wrote Star Trek, and then it was redone in the 80s and 90s by a different set of writers who were writing uh, a show that fit that time period, and that then now uh, these writers who uh, write popular movies like the Transformers movies and and Lost and Fringe and uh, uh, are now writing Star Trek for this audience. So there's a way in which the format can kind of uh, survive the ages. And uh, the narratives uh, are universal for precisely that reason, because these are classic television narratives. Kristen Meinzer, why does Star Trek seem to be more of a co-ed experience when most blockbusters are kind of guy films in the summer? Well, they actually include women. There are not as many women as I would like, but Uhuru obviously is one of the main characters. In this movie, we have a character that's a little bit like Gene Rottenberry's wife in the original series. We have 
women who are allowed to play a wide range of roles, too. They're not just there to be assistants or secretaries. They are translators. They're uh, people who are helming the ship. They're doing all sorts of things that you want women to be able to do just a lot like well, men. Star Trek lives long, and it certainly prospers for everyone who's associated with it. David Goodman, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. David Goodman is the author of Star Trek Federation, the first 150 years, and a self-described Trekkie from age 16. Also, thanks to our Movie Day team, Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday, Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for Newsday. You can subscribe to the Movie Day podcast by going to thetakeaway.org. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks, thanks so much. John. You too, John. Favorite Star Trek moments from Brighton, Michigan, the kiss between Ohura and Kirk. I can distinctly remember my daddy saying, they're not showing that in Alabama. <laughs> Star Trek and American culture. They go together. Have a great weekend, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.